Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Graham Young as we react to a historic night in Rome for Celtic. On the pod today, obviously Celtic are into the Europa League last 32 and we'll review just how they did it. Graham, an incredible night for Celtic and indeed probably Scottish football as a whole on the continent. Um, first ever win on Italian soil mm-hmm. into the Europa League last 32 with two games to spare. How did they do it? Despite being excellent, they were absolutely unbelievable. And I, I think it's so easy, Scottish football as well, where you can give Celtic Rangers credit when it comes, but sometimes we really need to magnify how spectacular achievement this was. It was for a Scottish team to go away, and this has been the hallmark of Neil Lennon's uh, return to Celtic, especially in the European stage. They're just a bold, adventurous team. And the start of that second half, so often... A game that it was one each, obviously, at the break. You'd expect Lazio to come on strong, but Celtic took the game away from Lazio. They were so adventurous. The guys like Ryan Christie, uh, Elianusi, Edward. There was only sometimes three or four players in the opposition half, but they were always able to take the ball in, and those constant runs and chances. There was opportunities. Lazio had their moments as well, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, to win the game, but Celtic's boldness was rewarded uh, when Chams uh, touch a class, a little pitching yeah. wedge for the edge of the green. Into the net and obviously sent Celtic's fans into raptures. It just, but that's the way it, uh, S- Scottish teams over the years have been able to get significant results in Europe. But a lot of times it's been backs to the wall, uh, very rigid, very organised, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when a Scottish team's able to get success and do it in a manner of playing f- thrilling attacking football, it just makes it even more special. Yeah, and you touched on it there. I thought, you know, obviously aside from the goal. <laughs> Uh, what sort of stood out is, you know, you mentioned that, that start to the second half. I think you sort of, people maybe expected Lazio to come out, you know, maybe been given a bit of a rocket at half time for the way they finished the half. And there was a kind of a clear change from Celtic. I thought at the start of the second half, they were pressing a bit higher up the pitch. And I think for a lot of that second half, I know Lazio maybe came on a wee bit stronger at the end, but they were yeah. out of sorts. And, uh-huh. you know, it, Celtic for, them, for a lot of the second half, I thought looked more likely. And as I said, I know Lazio kind of piled the, the pressure on at the end, to an extent. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think I just can only agree with you. I think it was it was thoroughly deserved. And it's it must be a refreshing change for Celtic fans to now know that they can go away to these, mm-hmm. you know, European ties or, you know, the fans at home, they don't need to watch it from behind the couch yeah. the way they did. You know, they took a couple of heavy. There was a kind of identical kind of Celtic, style of performance in Europe for a long time where even the really good teams, so you'd watch maybe a Martin O'Neill team in the early thousands absolutely dominate a side and then play the reverse tie or a group stage fixture and look all at sea, they were defended poorly, the likes of Larson certain didn't have chances, it carried on at the Gordon Strachan era who was again was able to tap into that fantastic home record but again couldn't quite manage to find the, the solution away from home. Brendan Rodgers suffered a similar fate as well. But Neil Lennon this second time around, even the first time as well, it, they got a great result. I spoke about that last night in my match report about um, a draw in Udinese. That was the end of the Europa League campaign after they get in through the back door after Sion's um, irregularities, obviously fielding an eligible player. And that gave Celtic a second life that season back in 2010-11. And that Udinese game was the last group game. And that night, Lennon these players so high up the pitch again it was a very similar game actually that was a really good Udinese team like Dean Natale and all these players and there was a lot of that last night it's not easy to go to Italy but a 
Italian football's not quite what it was in more ways than one. They're not as defensive, so there's always got, there is going to be space, there's going to be opportunities. And Celtic just maximised that to the best of their abilities last night. It was really a, a joy to watch. Because mm-hmm. was there even a, a sense of Stephen Edwards missed mm-hmm. that chance? Sort of late on into the second. Yeah, that was, the Cal- that was a Callum McGregor and Munching Glad. Did you moment. think that oh, that was the one? That's it. It's gone. Or did you think that uh, Lazio might? <laughs> well, maybe I think Lennon's made everyone a believer in the sense. I think this team, there's, there's something about it. It's, it's crazy how it's all come about as well because the, the summer Celtic uh, there appeared to be Rogers had taken Celtic as far as they could go. Brendan Rogers, the great Brendan Rogers, and all he could do tactically and all his knowledge. I think he felt Celtic were where they were able to go but all of a sudden a few really inspired summer signings I knew Lennon back in a job that he's previously been in uh, with new ideas fresh approach it's just it's just married perfectly and there seems to be no stopping this team so last night at one each that Edward chance you would think oh that's probably it but there's maybe this feeling there was something better to come I think with all the the, the Lazio fans and the horrific behaviour in Glasgow. I don't mean Celtic owed them one, but there was this feeling that a large Celtic support were going to get the, a moment to savour. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the unsavoury scenes the night before as well, and by all accounts, Celtic supporters behaved impeccably when they were, they were in Rome. It's a fantastic city. Say they've enjoyed, I think the scenes at the end were phenomenal. And I think that moment was always there, even at one each. This Celtic team have got a different makeup to ones previous. Uh, they've just got an extra. St- quality, even, I'm not saying if, if Lazio had scored to make it 2-1 in the last 10 minutes it would have been tough to come back from, but there was just something there that Celtic, if they just got one more chance they would be able to do it Yeah, And you've written about Lennon's European records uh, on the website on Friday and you know, so what is it about him that seems to have inspired this, you know, sort of new lease of life at that, at that level because I think, you know for a long time under Bread and Rogers there was they, they took you know, a couple of sore ones off the big superpowers in the Champions League. And Rogers he used to say things to the effect, you know, that, it's, that he's trying to, he's trying to, you know, coach the players into being able to live at, at that level. But they never but, quite but that was, got there. So what is it that's different with, with Lennon's far, approach? Far be it for me to tear down Brendan Rogers' philosophy and what he's all about as a manager. But that never, when he used to say that statement after heavy defeats about this will, this will stand the players in good stead moving forward, it doesn't, it's not, it, do, it didn't seem like a perfect fit or it didn't seem it would hold true because teams take heavy beatings, the, the makeup of teams change, like players change, so there's no guarantees that in two years' time you'll suddenly be able to go away to the Bernabeu and keep the ball. And at the end of the day, Celtic, Neil Lennon for the second half of last season would come in after games, they were kind of caught in a halfway house where they were still trying to implement Brendan Rodgers' strategy and he's also trying to make it a bit more direct and people picked up on quite early that the, the passing for the goalkeeper out to defenders, that was that was becoming non-existent. But Lennon's always believed in quick, aggressive attacking football and it's working just perfectly right now. And I think the Rodgers philosophy, the idea of um, playing and going up against teams, even with the, the second level European teams like Valencia, Zenit, so... That Valencia game as well, that was a real kind of, I think that was a watershed moment in the sense, the way Celtic lined up that night, they, were, they weren't physical enough, they weren't Scottish enough if that makes sense, the way they played, they were just like any kind of run in the mill Europa League side that were a bit passive and get, it were able to get beat off a better team. I think Lennon, he, he sees the, it's a much bigger picture with Lennon, there's 
dynamics the way he set up, started the game three five two last night. Didn't wasn't a spectacular success. Like Celtic were under the cost for the first fifteen minutes. Exactly. But I think Lennon's just he's always been underrated as a coach and I've spoke previously about this, but he's got a real eye for players who can play in multiple positions. And it becomes a bit tactical but it's important. Like guys like Afi Ambrose, Charlie McGrew. Ambrose gets slated now, but he wasn't a bad player, he really wasn't. And what Ambrose could do, he could slide to right back, move into central centre half. Charlie McGrew as a sweeper was a brilliant player. Could also play at left back, traditional centre half. And you're seeing that now with guys like Elhamid, Beaton there's players there, James Forrest playing as a win-back, Johnny Hayes is everywhere if you want him, wherever you want him to play, he'll play. That's the real marker and the winning team where I think Brendan Rodgers at times, there was times it did work, of course the Zen at home game, they were excellent, they, they cuffed Astana 5-0, the Man City for each, the first season in particular was a lot of high points, munching glad back away, but as the time had gone on, I think it became clear that Rodgers and Celtic or the type of player that Celtic had, it was never going to be a perfect marriage in Europe where Lennon just understands the club better and how to match. He played in a Martin O'Neill team that was able to get some massive victories and Gordon Stratton as well. Um, played under both and now he's translated that as well into management. Obviously his previous time wins over Barcelona, uh, big results in the past as well and, and then again. And that's what makes it so special. He's the first manager. Um, Celtic played in 15 group stage uh, campaigns. They've got ten points on two occasions, and Neil Lennon's been the manager for both. He's he's head and shoulders above um, Brendan Rodgers. He's definitely the good strike at the last sixteen in the Champions League twice. Not to be sniffed at. Martin Neil had great runs and taking uh, Celtic to the FA Cup final in Seville. But Neil Lennon is right up there um, with the very best Celtic managers of this generation when it comes into Europe, and the stats back that up. Mm-hmm. And as well, I remember when. You know, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to this, but when Rogers, some of Rogers' teams were taking a bit of a, as you put it, a coffin <laughs> from certain sides, there was there was almost like a an element, a kind of narrative sometimes that you know you need to be you need to play that backs to the wall, uh-huh. you know, almost spoiling foot, kind of football. But yeah. this isn't that really well, Lennon, it's, is it's it? Not all. It's, I, I felt like it's <laughs> more than a kind of. You, it remi- do you know what the closest it reminds me to is Jurgen Klopp, Borussia Dortmund. That's what this Celtic team reminds me of. That not they're not fascinated with possession, but they're so energetic and quick, and they get forward, um, and they just break their quakes. Very exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. So you, you guys had the original that original team. You'd like Gotza, Royce coming through, and then you'd like Lewandowski and all, all these players. Kagawa, like there's like they're all there for Celtic. The same kind of style of players like El Yunusi, Christie, Edward Forrest. Uh, real top talent. A lot of that team is about the fullbacks as well, mm-hmm. and you're seeing it. It's really exciting. So it's not about winning possession battles or even having more shots on target. But when you've got the chance to break quickly, you're able to maximise your chances of getting a shot off or making a chance. And this Celtic team are among the best in Europe at it. They're absolutely brilliant. If a ball, if the ball breaks down in midfield and they turn, they're able to turn the ball over. The chances of them getting a shot away or having a chance is really high. And that's the mark of it. That's how you win games. Possession is important to a point of view. If you're playing a limited team, you're able to keep the ball off them. You're likely going to win or not lose the game. But at this level, it's a bit different. The stakes are higher. It doesn't. It's not about, especially in a high-paced game. But that's not about keeping the ball. Keeping the ball. It's about when you have the ball, what you're able to do with it. And Celtic are just head and shoulders above a lot of teams in the final third right now yeah. it's thrilling stuff to watch and I think exactly I think you nailed it it's it's fun yeah. I think especially in taking it back to the, the Lazio game at Parkhead I think there was 
There may be other managers, I think, during that first half against Lazio would have maybe, I don't know what the phrase is, perhaps reined it in a wee bit because they threatened to hit Celtic on the break so many times, I thought, mm-hmm. in that game last year. But Lennon, he kind of stuck to it and it's, you know, it's taking risks and it's... And a lot of trust key. comes with Foster as well. Foster's yeah. a big... Like, he fancies Foster to make more saves than let, the amount of goals he let in. And that's obviously it's high stakes. Everything's high stakes about this team. Everything's on the edge and trying to make it happen. But that's how... You don't win games like that in Lazio by playing it safe. They're the, they are total risk takers. And it's working. I think Lennon at times probably... I think he's learnt probably for, as a manager and pro, more, more as a player. The amount of times that a really good Celtic team would go away in Europe and just lose, meekly not put their best foot forward. Like, I think he's got his kind of life short attitude to the now. You just we talked about like, like Craig Levine and all these funny quotes. Well, this is like the actual on-field version and not giving a damn exactly. No, it's I, a good laugh, exactly, isn't it? that's, that's, that's a good laugh. Honestly, if you watch it, you could not enjoy watching Celtic play football right now. And that's all fans really care about: trophies, trebles. It's all. It's all important, but watching your team week and week and being able to go to watch them, any Celtic fan I speak to uh, is enjoying watching their team play, and yeah. I think that's what football's about. And, you know, speaking of enjoyment, the kind of crowning moment of the performance was obviously <laughs> Olivier and Cham's goal. It's it's one of those ones I think it'll be looked back on for, you know, no matter what happens from here on, how far they get into the tournament, it'll be one of those ones that's looked back on by fans, just the timing of it, the, the sheer almost... And I mean this in a good way. It was the arrogance of the finish. Yeah. 95th minute. Mm. You know, this Lazio goalkeeper, up and coming, very highly rated. Yeah. And he's sat him down. Uh, <laughs> cool as you like. It's just a perfect moment. I think goals like that, like, obviously, can be in any kind of finish and the fans were in rapture, but it just did everything about it. Like His, fu- his touch as well, he, he did take himself slightly. Wasn't slightly quite, wide. Yeah, it wasn't quite Tommy Johnson against St Myrna all those years ago. He nearly ended up out for a pie before putting it in the net, but this was, he was drifting out wide and that helped him. It probably made his mind up to, to put it over the keeper and by all account, like, the, the stadium obviously erupted. Uh, Craig Swan, his match report, it was brilliant the way he spoke about you know, he'd never been able to see like crescendo of noise, this absolute Celtic supporters following their team in Europe to see one of the real signature victories. Uh-huh. Just the, the photos, the pictures, the, the videos. The afterwards. camera cuts to on BT Sport, cuts oh. to Lennon and his in a huddle, his team, and they're all bouncing up and down. It's like the end of a function when Loch Lomond <laughs> blaring over the. Do you know what I mean? Bouncing yeah, yeah. up and down. So it was just. I mean, it's a. It was, great night for obviously, the fans. Um, the team, uh, but aside, you know, you know Forster, uh, you know, taking a lot of plaudits. But I think uh, the, I think player who's come out with a lot of credit is is Johnny Hayes. He's fantastic. Uh, you can't not Johnny Hayes for a long time. Um, it's been he's been waiting for his Celtic moment. Brendan Rodgers brought him in the summer of two thousand and seventeen. Didn't quite happen. He had the leg break up at Dens Park on Boxing Day. Had to really wait for his wait for his big Celtic chance, really. Uh, but this is this is his role now, uh, squad player. I know we sometimes joke as well. He's he's there for morale as much as anything else because he's close friends with Scott Brown and I think he's a great figure about training. But honestly, last night there was a bit in the first half, the last five minutes just after it was one each, and he's honestly like he's energizer bunny, like just racing between players, and eventually. Uh, Milinkovic Savage they knocks it out for a throw in. They turn the ball over, and that was just Celtic. Honest, every player in the park was just full of it. But he's yeah. coming in, filling in. Bolingoli, who's improved, 
um, in recent weeks, but he's just, he's got this uh, understanding that, like, of a homegrown player. He knows exactly what it's all about. The role he had to play was times, of course, last night, uh-huh. he, he was, players like Luis Alberto, but he get the better of him, get a half yard on him, but that's always going to happen. But he's never, he never, stuck to his, exactly, trade, stuck to his task. He was, uh, he was he was he was fantastic, and I think Lennon in the pre-match was speaking a lot about um, make this, why he was in the team maybe ahead of Greg Taylor. And this wasn't a Callum McGregor to left back job, and Celtic are a much improved team. I think Lennon's always got that tactical tweak in him. Uh, he's always been keen to kind of uh, adjust his tactics to for the game, and it normally works as well. So there's there's no criticising that. But Hayes last night, his performance was good, but it was his endeavour. The desire, all the players on the pitch, Christie, Edward, is, Edward gets this label sometimes like of quite a languid striker that just waits for his opportunities. But he was phenomenal. He as showed well. another side. Oh, he's, he keeps on. But that, sh- I think last season against Leipzig, he showed this physicality of his game. He was able to do a bit of the stuff that Moussa Dembele specialised in, and now he's like, just ploughing lone furrow up front, chasing balls down. He's the all-round striker. I know the goals um, haven't been there in the games against Lazio, but everything else has. And this, mm-hmm. this last night was a perfectly weighted pass. Yeah. Uh, it was top notch. Yeah, and it's one of those ones where you're not really doubting that the goals will return. It's, it doesn't feel like one of those, does it? It doesn't feel like no, absolutely a, not. Uh, you know that he's on a, you know, a, any sort of drought. Um, you know, just kind of touching on the, you know, the a bigger picture. You know, Celtic of, you know, it's the, I think it's the first Scottish team to to qualify for the knockout stages of a European competition with these two games to spare. Um, I might be wrong about that, and I'm sure somebody will hammer me on Twitter if I am. No, you're right. <laughs> um, so, in terms of you know Europa League, if you look across the board in this competition, how, how far do you think yeah. they can go? Well, I think the one thing that will be in Celtic's advantage is they can win the group, and it is favourable for them. Kluge go to Lazio. Lazio have to have to win that game for the reason. Um, that, that, that's still alive. A victory over Kluge takes it to the last round of fixtures. But Kluge are no mugs, but you would favour Lazio really in last chance alone. Celtic play Ren, who, uh, if they hadn't already, didn't look like they'd been trying a leg when they were still able to qualify. I don't <laughs> think they'll be busting a gut now they're already out. No. So that game, you would even Celtic qualified, uh, you'd imagine they're heavy, heavy favourites to win that game home. So that would take them three points ahead of Kluge, and Kluge would need to beat them 3 0 in the last game. So winning the group looks very likely, and that opens up. Takes away the kind of Champions League dropouts, the teams that uh, win the group as well. So you're looking at teams that are finishing second. And the Europa League, it's a big tournament, 48 teams. There is a few teams who will qualify who are never going to make it um, all the way. Uh, mm-hmm. And so th- there's, there's definitely sides that maybe sneak in as a second team across the group. And you've got to favour Celtic against any side, really, of that ilk sides that are maybe um, not top operators, but even if Celtic did land a Manchester United or an Arsenal or a Champions League dropout, Celtic are playing at such a level right now that you wouldn't bet against them. Mm-hmm. I think maybe there's even an argument that Celtic might be better suited to playing a slightly bigger name than maybe a lesser light who's managed to qualify. There's a couple of notes last from Austria who been able to score goals for fun. Um, there's Wolfsberg, who's not the Wolfsberg we know who play in Austria as well. Mm-hmm. There's teams there that are danger teams, but don't bring the the name value, the prestige. Yeah, yeah, they like the prestige. Of course, uh, maybe Celtic, maybe Celtic knockout football. All they've ever known in knockout football is Valencia, Zenit, Barcelona, Milan. Occasions, the occasions they mean something. So suddenly playing a team in your oh, 
Celtic are oh, the best team out of the group stage. They're one of the favourites to what you know. I mean, people, you know, in yeah, European, people start exactly, gunning for you. Exactly, of course. They? Maybe Celtic suit being the underdog, and that maybe that's how these performances happen in the first place as well. All in all, committed, knowing they're making history. So yeah. that will be interesting to watch. I think just the, the I, I don't know if it's because as you know, as a nation and the and the Champions League, uh, we are very much on Scotland. We're very much on the outside uh, looking in now. But the, do you know, think that this Europa League, and I don't know if it's just because Celtic and Rangers are picking up yeah. big results, but it's almost got a more of an old school European feel to it. Hundred percent. You know, I think the the group stages are certainly the the groups that Celtic and Rangers are involving a bit of involving a bit of incite, excitement, drama. Yeah, it's a bit of nostalgia as well. Like, Whereas, you know, especially when Rangers look at Rangers, Feyenoord and Porto, these are like big big names you know, from European football. And I know the Champions League. Isn't it suddenly, oh, it's too good. If the ultimate aim for Celtic and Rangers, if they were to win the league, would be to qualify for the Champions League. Of course, the money involved, it's so great. Uh, it means so much, but it's a competition. Celtic, in the last couple of years, some of their best recent memories in Europe, but the Champions League became almost a kind of uncomfortable viewing. But again, that was, again, extolling the virtues of Neil Lennon. Mm. Maybe Neil Lennon would be able to produce something extra special if Celtic were back in the Champions League. So, but there is something really enjoyable, I think, for fans right now watching the Europa League. It's a good tournament, and I think the way football's going over the last 10, 15 years, I know when Jose Mourinho was at his pomp, a lot of managers were fascinated with your low blocks and tactical stuff, but right now teams are pretty adventurous. Yeah. And I don't think there's a vast array of top-class defenders, so what you're getting is these really good, watchable games yeah. week on week, and the Europa League's the perfect place for that right yeah, now. You, I mean, you mentioned that earlier on, even the, these Italian sides uh-huh. who in the past were... Maybe labelled as conservative, a bit defensive, but yeah, you know, Lazio are pretty exactly. shambolic at the back. Exactly, you know, and I think that's a trend. You know, what I, mean? like, I know you still get guys like Chiellini at Juventus and all these top operators, uh, but at the same time, uh, no, the football's changing and Celtic are taking advantage of that because their style of football is tailor made to rip teams that are open or a little bit suspect at the back because their front four, Elianusi, Forrest, Edward, and Christie, mm-hmm. they can they could cause any team problems and I mean that like, yeah. as they caught Real Madrid they would, they would punish them that's the level like Celtic get players that can create chances against good teams time and time again uh, so it's very impressive it's, it's good to watch so we touched on the Champions League there so just on that a lot of the kind of uh, people crunching the numbers on social media uh, this morning to do with a coefficient because we always kind of come back to that after these big results so you know, basically, we are as a nation pushing to get to fifteenth place in these UEFA rankings, and it's very, very achievable. Um, we're still a few group games to go. The potential, well, at least in Celtic's case, certainly more to come. Uh, Rangers pushing to get into the last thirty-two as well. Uh, we're, we're, you know, very, very close behind Cyprus, who are in that fifteenth spot at the moment. And basically, what it would mean is we get as a nation an extra team into Europe, um, a second team in the Champions League and almost across the board a sort of later start in terms of, you know, the qualifying. So things are they're starting to, after a few sort of years of yeah. really, you know, nothing much to shout about yeah. in Europe, it's starting to look a bit more positive, 100%, isn't it? Yeah, and people are saying it's the greatest year since 2007, 2008, that was the year. 
Rangers reached you know, uh, UEFA Cup final, Celtic got the last 16, but the added value of that season as well was Aberdeen reached the last 32, the UEFA Cup, mm-hmm. but ultimately they, they were defeated by Bayern Munich after a good result at Pataudry, but that's what Scottish football needs now. It's great that Rangers are, um, I wouldn't say on the Celtic podcast, <laughs> but I'll rephrase, no, it's obviously it's a positive, and let's not deep down, Celtic fans, they love the chase, they love the thrill of Celtic and Rangers going at it. Every supporter mm-hmm. must love that. That's what football's all about. Would they want, though, Rangers having a chance at the Champions League money, if that became a possibility? Well, that's... Well, football fans by it's nature are fickle. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. But it's a yeah, but exactly, you know, there's, probably, there's a glass ceiling in Scottish football. Celtic can only go so far. Eventually, Rangers will retool, reorganise but Celtic have managed to do that as well despite winning all these trophies they feel like a fresh team they don't feel like the team that's being chased uh, but what Scottish football really needs is either Hibs or Hearts uh, to make the right appointment uh, find a really savvy manager who can get them competing and Aberdeen Derek McKinnis who I th- I've always thought is a, a bit underrated as a manager he's getting to that point where maybe um I think this training ground will be a fresh freshness to Aberdeen as well. So Aberdeen have been knocking on the door, winning a couple of qualifying games each year. That needs to improve. Aberdeen finally need to make a group stage, or Hearts and Hibs as well. And it's very good that the way the standings right now are very very positive. But you can always go an extra step as well. But Celtic Rangers won't always have it as good as they've had it this season. Mm-hmm. So they must have help from elsewhere. And then Scottish football is really looking in a a really strong position. Certainly. Um, just as well to touch on the. We briefly looked at it earlier on, but just the Celtic fans over in Rome, you know, there was obviously a lot of concern over um, these Lazio ultras. Um, and there might have, I mean, we must say there has been incidents. I think there was three supporters, unfortunately, um, were attacked, certainly at the time of us recording it. But certainly it seems to, on the whole, seems to have been a good a good atmosphere. Uh, Celtic yeah. fans, you know, acquitting themselves well. Exactly. Abroad, um, Rod Stewart in the thick of it as pair. Exactly, hotline zone. Rod Stewart phoning <laughs> in, telling us about his adventures. Uh, exactly. No, it's uh, no. I think that's as well. And th- Rome as well. It's Celtic for all the globe trekking and all the different continental cities have stopped off at over the last twenty years. Um, well, actually, Rome is a city is one that obviously hadn't uh, been ticked off. So for a lot of fans, it was a big trip. And an iconic stadium, and by the noise created as well, you could hear it. It felt a very special, special atmosphere uh, mm-hmm. throughout the game, and I think uh, that helps Celtic as well. There was that extra roar as well. Normally, you would have a packed home support, but obviously with the the um, the ban for uh, the racism and fascism uh, charges for Lazio, it was a case of Celtic had that almost like extra home advantage, and they really made it count. Mm-hmm. And you could see the scenes at the end, they're just incredible. Obviously the players and the fans all together, the manager saluting um them at the final was you could tell how important it was to them and yeah. These are the stories. imagine if you're like if you're a football fan on a trip like that, it's a stories of a lifetime. Yeah. Out, out with the game, I'm sure they've got plenty of great stories as well. But inside to watch a game like that in person something truly special. Mm-hmm. And there was a you know, you mentioned this the celebrations and there was a great picture uh, going around online and I think the original one is Neil Lennon, Bobo Baldy and Henrik Larsson. And then there's one from last night where it's, you know, you've got a similar strip, you know, the green, the dark green and yeah, sort yeah. of yellowy strip. And then the one from last night is Scott Brown. Uh, Olivia and Cham is in amongst it and there's Callum McGregor. And it's almost a mirror image of this yeah. uh, 
picture from oh, how, how long are we talking? You know, you know, almost fifteen, sixteen years ago now. Going back, yeah. maybe even longer. Uh-huh. Um, so, you think this is a trip that the fans will still be talking about? 16 to 20 years 100%, from now. 100%, exactly. Oh, that's a great way of putting it, Liam. Uh, and these these trips are just, they forge memories and bonds and that's what it's more than just the game itself. It's everything that comes with it. But that, I think, is a special result. Celtic have had moments, um, some pretty special moments over the years in Europe, but a lot has been at Celtic Park. To go on the road and be able to win uh, in the manner they did, I think it's something pretty special. And I th- supporters uh, will be able to cherish these memories for a long time uh, so we'll leave it there uh, for this week, um, thanks to Graham for joining me, but as always we'll be back next week to discuss all the latest from Parkhead, remember to subscribe to get the podcast on Acast and iTunes as soon as it's available and you can also rate us on there as well thanks for listening